Yes, well, Hugh Hefner is probably rolling over in his grave by now. Ever since the news broke that Playboy magazine, which is no longer printed, by the way, it's just available online as a website, is putting on its first man, not transgender, not transsexual, whatever term you wish to use, not female, but a man on the cover of what would be its magazine if it was still in print. Who would have ever have thought the day would come? Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of three easy ways. You can either download the free Podbean app, search out the Jamie Dury Show, and click subscribe, or you can go to either the Google Play Store or the iTunes App Store, depending on which device you use, and search out The Jamie Dury Show and listen to the show that way by subscribing. Either way you choose to subscribe, you will be notified whenever new episodes are uploaded. You will be able to leave comments, leave reviews, and we are definitely interested in an abundance of both. The more interviews, uh, or I should say reviews, the more uh, comments that we get, the more involvement we get with you on the show the quicker the show will grow. And that is what we're all about, growing the show to getting the messages out that we're covering that other people are not to you, the listening public, who want to know. So, Hugh Hefner will forever be remembered as the founder of Playboy magazine and as a man who played a great role in the quote-unquote sexual revolution of the 50s. Playboy magazine was founded by Mr. Hefner, Back in the late 50s, the first cover girl or the first centerfold, uh, well, she was both actually, will be remembered as the one and only Marilyn Monroe. This was in December of 1953. Hefner turned the Playboy magazine into more than just a magazine, but actually a brand. He was doing brandings before marketing scholars were talking about brandings. He even had a network of Playboy clubs. And when I was a young lad growing up, one would always try and sneak uh, a peek at a Playboy magazine if you could. And I always dreamt that when I was old enough, I would be a member of the Playboy club and have my own key. And I would be old enough to do all the things I saw my TV heroes do, like Robert Conrad and Wild Wild West and my movie heroes like Sean Connery and James Bond, Good Guy Gets the Girl. I thought we'd have all of that. And now, by the time I was old enough, Playboy uh, clubs had disappeared. The magazine had changed. And now it is faded into obscurity with the death of, of uh, Mr. Hefner. Mr. Hefner lived a long life. He lived till 91. He had many, many beautiful women as his uh, life partner over the course of his life. Uh, he died in September of 2017. And it seems that ever since then, things have gone downhill for the magazine. Two months after Mr. Hefner's death, in fact, November of 2017, Playboy magazine featured its first ever transgender cover model slash centerfold. If that wasn't bad enough, this year, in October this month, Playboy magazine featured a man on its cover, dressed up 
in drag. Not a transgendered person, an actual man who likes to wear makeup and false eyelashes. In other words, a, a, a freak is what we would say in present day. Uh, in my father's day or grandfather's day, or particularly on my wife's side of the family, they would call this person a fagula. But where does a men's magazine, a magazine whose mission was to show the beautiful bodies of women and men would buy the magazine because they wanted to see beautiful women, where do they come off showing a transgender as a centerfold and now uh, a gay man who's supposed to be some sort of fashion uh, influencer or something uh, on the cover? This is an attempt by the left by those who are part of the cancel culture, to undermine and try and erase from the memory of the cultural and social lexicon one of the greatest symbols of the sexual revolution and societal reformation that happened in the 60s, an expression of sexuality. This is trying to redefine the roles. Why are they showing transgender and men, and men on the cover? Because they don't want anything that would appeal to men, real, real heterosexual alpha males, because to do so would acknowledge the existence of these people. And these are the people that the feminazis have told us are sexual predators since birth. It's in our DNA. We are completely incorrigible. We are, we are incapable of being rehabilitated. We are forever uh, marked as such, and therefore our roles in society need to be diminished. So therefore, it follows that people are not going to produce the sort of thing that uh, men of this stripe uh, would like to watch. And it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing to see. But look at these people. Back in 2017, they put beauty influencer Victoria Volkova as the first transgender woman to appear on the cover of Playboy Mexico. See, that wasn't the main Playboy magazine. Playboy Mexico is committed to the openness and diversity for which we fight daily in this country, the magazine wrote in Spanish on its Instagram page. The brand has historically been singled out because the pleasure is a benefit to all people, regardless of gender, sexual orientation, or race. Well, one could debate that. This is what they put on. But now they've, they've gone to new heights. Now they're putting on this chap, and I'm going to call him a chap because that's what he is. Um, his name is Bretman Rock, a 23-year-old male social media influencer from the Philippines. I'm not even quite sure what that is, a social media influencer. Uh, he looks just like what I described. He's a, he's a fagula, and he's a freak. Uh, he's got bunny ears, and it's supposed to look like a Playboy bunny. He's about as appetizing as a, um, a bowl of garbage that you've seen scraped off a dog bowl's plate and put on yours. Uh, he rose to fame as an influencer on YouTube and Vine, and he later released his own line of makeup to go along with makeup tutorial videos he often posts. Now... There are men that have been famous makeup artists. Max Factor. When I was growing up, a lot of women wore Max Factor makeup. Max Factor was a makeup artist. 
did a lot of the Mac, uh, makeup on I Love Lucy and other shows for Desilu Studios. But he didn't wear the makeup himself. Uh, he just designed it for women. This freak probably wears his own stuff and designs it as much for himself as he does for others. So when I tell you there is definitely a war on the American male, particularly the American white male, as based upon everything that I've spoken about on this show lately, where the white male has been completely removed from commercials, even though he is still the majority. Uh, We discussed this last week, that virtually every commercial features an interracial couple. No white male is uh, presented in a prominent or authoritarian role. He's usually folding clothes and taking care of some little girl. He's domesticated, so to speak. Um, And that's the role that the feminazis want to banish him to. We see the same thing in colleges. Men no longer going to college in the same numbers that they once were. Women going to college, being the professionals, being the people getting the business degrees, the people going to go into politics. It doesn't mean that no men will do it, but not in the same light. Now, why is this? Well, because college itself with the exorbitant cost because of the inflated salaries of these idiot professors, has become an anchor around people's necks as they try and go out into the world after high school. They try and come up with a career, but they find out they spend half their lives paying back the education uh, that they were required to have in order to pursue these careers. So many people are now going to trade schools. And trade schools um, are particularly more appealing to men. You see a lot more male electricians, carpenters, machinists, what have you, than you do women. doesn't necessarily mean that these men are going to make a lot less than women are going to make. In many cases, they're going to make as much or maybe more. I've never met a poor plumber in my life. Uh, But um, they won't be major players in society or influences. So there's definitely a war on culture. And this attempt to remove every vestige of heterosexual, red-blooded masculinity by engaging in this sick display with Playboy magazine is proof of it. Yeah, I'm very confident that Hugh Hefner is truly rolling over in his grave as we speak. You can't tell me he ever thought that what he founded in 1953 would morph into what we see here in 2021. Now, we always try and include a little bit of COVID news, uh, and today is no exception. There was a challenge to New York City's vaccine mandate, if you wanted to dine indoors or work out indoors, and it was challenged on the basis of racial bias because the vast majority, apparently, of people in New York City who are unvaccinated are people of minority extraction. So naturally, such a mandate... And such a ban from allowing unvaccinated people indoors disproportionately affects people of minority extraction. Uh, A federal judge rejected the argument because it said that the city did not discriminate on the basis of race. If people, for whatever reason, chose not to be vaccinated, and that's simply what it is, there is no evidence that there is uh, a greater difficulty if you are a person of minority extraction from getting vaccinated, you're not being not allowed or disallowed from getting access to it. They're giving it away free to anyone who wants it.
For whatever reason, there seems to be a resistance to getting vaccinated in the minority community. And since the judge says that no one can demonstrate that vaccinations are being withheld from minorities and everyone has equal access to them, if people choose not to be vaccinated, then you can't challenge it on racial lines. The challenge that I want to see to these vaccination mandates has nothing to do with racial lines. And it has nothing to do with people who have never had COVID and choose not to be vaccinated. You might be able to make a credible argument that they should be vaccinated, especially if you're going to cite uh, that case, the 1905 Supreme Court ruling in Jacobson versus Massachusetts, which, which said that people do not have a fundamental right to refuse vaccination. But I think, especially in light of the study I told you about last week from Israel, that there is uh, more and more evidence that um, acquired immunity, natural acquired immunity, is far superior to anything you can get from any vaccination. Even Project Veritas verified this with interviews with biochemists at Pfizer. Their research indicates to them that you have more complete and potent and effective immunity if you've had the virus and gotten the, and have the antibodies as a consequence. Now, I'm not saying and they're not saying that it is advisable to go out and get COVID just so you can have immunity rather than get a vaccine. No. Getting COVID does pose some risk, although the risks are low. The death rate from COVID overall is still very, very low. Still, it's not a prudent decision to go out and get COVID. So if you're looking for immunity and you haven't had COVID, vaccine is your best option. But if you've had COVID, if you've been unfortunate enough to have COVID, but fortunate enough to survive it, you don't need any vaccine. I want to see challenges based on that with scientific data forced to be put um, on public display, just as Senator Rand Paul challenged that Javier Becerra the other day in Congress for his flat earth stance going around um, denigrating anyone who didn't want to get the vaccine because they had COVID antibodies as a result of having had the virus as flat earthers. It's just plain out insane. But there's a lot more insane in New York City than just these mandates uh, being put forth by the mayor. The mayor himself is insane. Not only is he insane, he's also a hypocrite. Mayor de Blasio, in the twilight of his uh, mayoralty, he leaves December 31st of this year, is now trying to eliminate the gifted and talented program. The gifted and talented program was a program that just what it sounded like. It gave an opportunity to identify gifted and talented children through examination and put them on educational paths that would more appropriately challenge their obviously uh, exceptional intellect. All men are created equal. All women and men are created equal in terms of their rights and treatment they're entitled to under the law. Uh, But it's a pretty obvious fact to anyone with a brain that all men and women are not created equal in terms of their abilities, be it intellectual, emotional, or athletic. If it were They wouldn't be paying the fortunes they pay to professional athletes to compete. 
They pay them those, those exorbitant sums of money because only a handful of people are capable of playing at that level. The same thing goes for intellectual uh, heft. Certain kids just have it. Other kids don't. Why should they not be allowed to reach their full potential? But Mayor de Blasio says that it's racist, you see. He said that the era of judging four-year-olds based on a single test is over. Apparently, he feels that a disproportionate amount of children in the gifted and talented program are white or Asian. Now, he gives no reason as to why that alone makes it racist. If everyone had equal access to the tests and only certain people are passing, I don't know how you can say that they would, the tests were designed specifically only to allow whites and Asians to pass. Uh, the people that are running against him, Eric Adams and Curtis Lewa, uh, have both stated they did not want to eliminate the program. Uh, this new program he opposed to replace it with is Brilliant New York City. Brilliant New York City will deliver accelerated instructions for tens of thousands of children as opposed to a select few. Every New York City child deserves to reach their full potential, and this new equitable model gives them that chance. But how can that be? How can everyone get this chance? Everyone can't take advantage of this chance. They don't have the intellectual heft. And why is it suddenly wrong for only a select few to get it? Because only a select few may be capable of reaping the benefits of it. He didn't have a problem with the select few getting it when the select flu, few, not flu, everybody's talking about the flu, when the select few were his children, because in case you didn't know, de Blasio's children went to the gifted and talent program at public elementary schools, which according to this article here from Fox News, often served as a springboard to the elite schools his own kids attended. The gifted and talented program, which required children to be tested at four years old for admission, will be completely phased out by 2022. Brilliant New York City is the new plan. It's supposed to train all of the city's public kindergarten teachers to accommodate students who need accelerated learning within their regular classroom instead of separating them into gifted classes. The admissions test for the four-year-olds are also going to be scrapped. Instead, now, all students going into the third grade will be evaluated in a variety of subjects to see if they should receive tailored accelerated instruction for up to one or two periods a day. So they're going to train all these teachers. Why do you need... See, this is the stupidity of government. This is where government will never be what the private sector is. A clear-thinking person knows that there only could be so many children out of the total population of children who are gifted and talented. There could only be so many children who could really gain the benefit of this. So instead, we're going to waste money and train every teacher... How to, handle, how to handle gifted and talented students when if we had a tested program like we did have and put these children into specific programs, only the teachers who teach in those programs need this extra training. 
Instead, we could train the other teachers who are not teaching gifted and talented students better techniques and how to motivate or else help kids who are a little slower and lagging behind. People who have some learning disability, perhaps, which is not their fault, but uh, we owe it to them to help them out. This is a misuse of resources, and it's hypocrisy, because his students went to the schools. His students, both of his children, who are now in their 20s, attended MS-51, which is in a wealthy neighborhood in Park Slope, Brooklyn. The school bills itself as a gifted and talented middle school. His daughter, Chiara, went on to attend the Beacon School, one of New York's most elite high schools. She graduated ultimately from Santa Clara University, Silicon Valley. His son, Dante, attended Brooklyn Tech, which, which is considered one of the most prestigious and selective high schools in the entire country. He now attends Yale University in Connecticut, an Ivy League school. An Ivy League school. So once again, with the Democratic Party that is so concerned with the rights of everyone, rules for thee, not for me. I got my peace. My children have been granted gifted and talented status. They were able to get a cleared path to elite education. And now that I've gotten mine, now I can be fair and change it for everyone else. Screw everyone else's kid. Now that my kids are out, I have no vested interest. The political winds are blowing in this direction. So I think, like the dish rag that I am, I'll just blow along with it. Mr. de Blasio, December 31st, 2021, can't come soon enough for most New Yorkers. You must really be a pompous ass if you think you've done such a wonderful job in New York City that people would embrace you as governor. You are a piece of crap. You are a piece of human refuse. You have destroyed the city. You've done everything you can to destroy the city. You've misused funds. You've misused resources. There's evidence that you have uh, misused New York City resources. Um, So, I mean, there's a new report that says he misused NYPD resources for political and uh, personal purposes. This is a DOI report. So, the rules for thee, not for me, is clearly the moniker of the Democratic Party. I'll give you a little teaser on this. We'll probably try and do more on the subsequent show, but it seems that Bill de Blasio, according to this DOI report, that's the Department of Investigation, for those of you unfamiliar with New York City politics, um, misused, oh, one second, one second, we just lost that. I had it here. Here it is. Misused police sources, resources on his security detail. Uh, he said to insist his adult daughters move out of Brooklyn. He had detectives moving her furniture, as well as to transport campaign staff during his presidential bid. The DOI found that the mayor misused police resources by directing members of his executive protection unit to help move his daughter, Chiara, out of her apartment in Brooklyn. And NYPD personnel carried furniture and an NYPD sprinter van carried her belongings to Gracie Mansion. Now, if that isn't a misuse of police resources, I don't know what is. Why can't he have hired uh, a moving company? 
Now, if he says that his daughter requires security, I'm sure that the personal protection detail would have provided security for her. But moving furniture, that's just a way to save money. That's misusing resources. Um, These executive protection detectives also drove the mayor's son, Dante, to and from Yale in New Haven, Connecticut, on multiple occasions without either the mayor or his wife and first lady, Shirlane McRae, present. It was also common practice for them to drive Dante to locations around New York City without his father or mother, typically at the direction of superiors on the detail. Quote, although it is the position of the NYPD Intelligence Bureau that both de Blasio children should have full-time protection, both children declined an assigned detail as adults. Well, if they declined an assigned detail, then the mayor's got no uh, reason to be able to use resources for personal gain. And the number we're talking about here, according to the DOI, they determined that the city of New York expended approximately $319,794 for members of Mayor de Blasio's security detail to travel during his presidential campaign trips. The mayor has still not reimbursed the city for those funds, either personally or through his campaign. And that is absolutely true. The New York City executive protection only extends to the mayor when he's acting as the mayor. When he's campaigning for higher office and using New York City detectives and police officers to do it, that extra money for those um, officers, their overtime, their salaries, that has to be uh, reimbursed uh, to the city, either from the candidate personally or from their campaign fund. He had plenty of money in that campaign fund. He chose to do neither. So not only is he a hypocrite, he's also a thief. So screw you, Mayor de Blasio. When you make your move to become governor, this show is going to be at the forefront of saying everything we can and exposing everything we can to ensure that you never, never get into the governor's mansion. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jamie Dury.